Many parents invest 18 years into the lives of their kids before sending them out into this great big world. Maybe that's you right now and your child is leaving the nest and that's something that you anticipate. Maybe it's a time of apprehension, sorrow, and maybe even dread. But either way, it's a time of significant change and there is a certain sense of loss that, well, is part of this new equation. But that sense of loss doesn't mean the loss of your joy. Jim Burns is with us today and he's going to help you understand how to find joy in the empty nest. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill, and I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. Trace, you know, a lot of parents find that their newfound empty nest experience is something that can actually trigger feelings of overwhelming loss Mm -hmm. and sometimes even depression. Do you feel some parents might falsely think of their kids' childhoods as maybe being like the sum total of their role as a parent? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, and, and maybe another way to, to ask the same question might be, you know, are these parents raising their kids with the intentionality that it takes to mm-hmm. emotionally prepare themselves and junior to actually leave their homes as independent adults? And my answer would be, I don't think enough parents do. Um, I don't know if I did. Uh, Many parents are raising their kids with the attitude that, you know, Junior only gets one childhood and therefore I, the parent, am going to make it as Disneyland-like as possible. And that's a huge mistake. They too often do this for the sake of gaining Junior's approval. So it's like there's a codependence or enmeshment thing going on, which isn't really healthy for either party. Kids especially need the, the security that comes from the wisdom, appropriate boundaries, and a healthy degree of independence that's fostered by emotionally and spiritually sound parents and other adults for that matter. Uh, I'd say that what parents need to do to better deal with the empty nest is to better prepare themselves, again, and junior, uh, for what it's going to take to encounter that day. And the the best way I know to do this is to get back to the fundamentals of God's will and way, starting very early and stop making idols out of our kids. Child-centric families aren't healthy families. They're breeding grounds for entitlement, narcissism, emotional fragility, depression, and, I mean, tons of other issues. Our kids are on loan from God, and someday we'll have to surrender them back to God in the form of emotionally, hopefully, uh, in the form of emotionally and spiritually healthy adults who really don't want to live with us anymore. Uh, But that's exactly how it should be. Well, Trace, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Jim Burns. Jim is the president of the ministry Homeward, where he writes and speaks on their core values. Listen to what those core values are. Strong marriages, confident parents, empowered kids, and healthy leaders. Jim and his wife live in Southern California, and they have three grown daughters. So I'm guessing that the Burns are living through this empty nest phase. Jim has authored multiple books, and his latest is Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. Well, Jim, welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast, brother. Trace, great to be with you. Michelle, your opening, 
I want recorded it and I want to send it out to the people who we talk to about the empty nest as well as just raising adult children because <laughs> it is <laughs> so spot on. Um, and I don't know, you know, Trace, you said this. I mean, it was like Kathy and I all, but we've been working so hard just to get these teenagers through the teenage years. Mm-hmm. You know, we woke up one day and went, whoa, they're saying they're adults. They're not acting like <laughs> adults, but they're saying they're adults. And we're in an empty nest and it's really quiet and we have all kinds of emotions going mm-hmm. on. So you, you summarized it great. Wow. Well, then I guess we can assume that you're an empty nester. Yes. That inspired well, the book. We are the boomerang empty nesters. You know, we were an empty nest and then they came back. One of them came back and then we were the empty nest. Another one came back. And then mm-hmm. even during COVID, our married daughter with uh, her husband and our two grandchildren, they moved in for three months. It became 13 months and, <laughs> and we, we loved it. And yet it was the empty nest was uh, not as empty as it had been, you know, the time before. So now we're empty nesters. Why is that so common these days? Well, I think, I mean, for several reasons. One is just even in, in terms of the economy. Plus, you know, we yeah. had, we, you know, we were raising these adult children and uh, COVID hit and millions of kids came back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, were, they weren't allowed to be in, if they were in college, they weren't allowed to be in their classrooms and things like that. So, you know, it took the world by surprise, you know, just two years ago. But today, because of economy or because of other types of issues or because kids want to get a home, but they can't, well, it's the economy, they can't afford it. So they come back and stay at home for a long time. We've got somebody on our staff here at Homeward where that's the case. The kids just move back in with grandkids so they can save up for a home. So, you know, I think that's, that, that's one of the things. I mean, it's what happened pre-1940s that was the case today obviously that were recently that wasn't the case but you know and it takes us by surprise both ways yeah in half the square feet they did that yeah exactly jim you and your wife had to go through a first stage of quietness getting used to quietness and then a second stage of getting used to the quietness what what was the difference between those two stages well, we knew a little bit more. It, the first stage took us by surprise. We dropped our daughter off, Heidi. Uh, as we're driving back, I look over and Kathy has a tear rolling down her cheek. And I said, how are you doing? She goes, I don't really even want to talk about it yet. We get home and it's absolutely quiet. And we realized that we had not prepared for this. So, so both of us experienced what we call the empty nest syndrome. And you mentioned it, Michelle, at the beginning. You talked about loss and sometimes depression. Mm-hmm. Now, we did it differently. Kathy was the sun and the kids were the planets you know going around the sun and all of a sudden those planets are gone and so she's like what am i going to do with the rest of my life and me i just jumped into work and and interestingly enough both weren't necessarily healthy and positive so the next time it came around and again it's not like when you have an adult child you're with them 24 7 and you're not totally in control um but the point was, is at least we knew. And so we kind of leaned into it. And I think as time went on, we were getting some good practice as they'd come and go and come and go and come and go. But never, it, it takes most people by surprise. And I think mm-hmm. even that change is oftentimes connected to grief. And we don't realize that. And so I think sometimes mm-hmm. these parents are grieving the loss. They, I mean, they've invested two decades of their life with their kids. Sure. And now they're not needed like they used to be. And one of the things I tell parents you know, who are either moving into the empty nest or have the empty nest, I said, when your child leaves home and their life fills up with fresh experiences, follow their lead. And uh, Kathy and I had to kind of reinvent not only our marriage, but we kind of had to realize that, wait, we're in second half now. And you know, good news is games are usually won in the second half, but mm-hmm. we hadn't really focused on the second half. We were just trying to get these kids onto college and become semi-responsible adults. Well, you talked about reinventing yourself as an empty nester. What might that look like for a 50-year-old man or woman? 
Right. And, and Trace, you're right when you said 50. You know, the average empty nest happens at 48.9. That was not Kathy's and my uh, experience, but that is the, the case. Huh. Well, mm-hmm. I, you know, you're going through a rite of passage. And so anytime you have a rite of passage, you kind of have to, in some ways, celebrate that rite of passage and embrace some of the positive change and take on new adventures. Or you, One of the things I realized in the empty nest is you have a lot more time. You know, I didn't see that. You, you fill it quickly. Or sure. are you going to, if you're going to reinvent, do you... Do you actually, you know, look at what do I want to do with, with the rest of my life? And, and that's, a, that's something that a lot of people have um, right at that half time in their life. And this is a time for parents to say, we're, we're going to change the relationship with our adult children in a positive way. We're going to move from parenting a child to more of an adult to adult relationship. But it's also a time for us to say, well, we've got a little bit of time. Maybe this is the time to work out. Maybe this is the time to join the Bible study at church that I've wanted to, but I never had the time. Maybe this is the time, mm-hmm. you know, and you start doing some of the things that you know are healthier for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny thing is I have some friends who are empty nest and they were really struggling in their marriage and they have a dog and they, I, I, I sent them to a, a, a major uh, marriage you know, counseling experience where it's like an intensive. And I said, what'd you learn? They said, well, we should be walking our dog together. We try to be efficient. I do the dishes and she walks the dog or, you know, she does the dishes and I walk the dog. And what we learned at the marriage conference for $4,000 is um, we need to walk the dog together. And it's been great. I went, wow, I could have told you that for like, you know, a hamburger. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. I mean, Kathy and I found that our relationship with each other and our goals for life had to be redefined mm-hmm. and you don't do that accidentally. You know, you have to be intentional and and do that one on purpose big time. Right. When you do that on purpose and you have some intentionality, you know, I, I think those are the people who do better and find joy in the empty nest. The ones who just let everything come, you know, they, they just fill up their life with all kinds of stuff and, you know, that's what happens. Now, Jim, you also talked just a few minutes ago about reinventing your marriage. What does that yeah. look like? Well, First of all, Michelle, a lot of times what happens is we're so busy with our kids and we're child focused. So That's what true. happens is we we put some of the things in our marriage under the mat and didn't even know it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's only one demographic that where divorce is growing, and that happens to be the age 50 and over. It's called the graying of divorce. So this means people haven't done the work. So I think when you begin to, in the second half, begin to win in the second half, you basically have to kind of almost... Um, to, it's about staying in love, but it's it's about falling in love again. And so for Kathy and I, we needed to lean into some of the basics of marriage that had gotten away from us. It was Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, talking about football. When you strayed away from the basics, you've gone a long ways toward defeat. Yeah. We looked at each other and said, let's get back on track with our our you know, weekly date. Let's get back on track with mm. you know putting more time and energy into our marriage. For us, even spiritually, I think one of the least... Uh, developed areas of intimacy is spiritual intimacy. And we found that we had more time to even pray together. And, you know, we would read kind of a devotional together and it wasn't heavy duty. It might be 15 minutes, but by doing that, it caused us to, to really, you know, focus on each other, even spiritually. And, and what happened was we, in some ways we, we fell in love and Kathy, it wasn't that we didn't have love. I mean, we speak on marriage, we write books on marriage, but we found that in the empty nest, the love was deeper because I, I like to say it's a continuing conversation and you just, you have more time to have that continuing conversation. Well, you know, Lombardi, when he talked about the fundamentals, he was talking about fundamentals. I mean, he was, 
he he stood in the locker room, threw, uh, held up a football, and said, "Gentlemen, yep. we got to get back to the fundamentals. This right. is a football." Right. Right. And that's how fundamental he got. And I think that we need to do the same thing with our spouses when we're empty nesters. Uh, something as simple as a date, being kind to one another, finding ways to impress the other one with your romance or whatever. But no, no, you're I'm being exactly right, right off the uh, air here. They're, they're calling for a break, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it is time for a break, but I just want to interject just one thought, and that is that a lot of my friends who are heading into this empty nest phase that we're talking about today a lot of them have said that they've spent so much time on their kids, and, and, and we've mentioned that. They've spent so much time on their kids that all of a sudden, as their kids are getting busier and busier with life, even before the empty nest hits, they're sitting there going, we didn't even know each other. Like, we've lost track of each other. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Jim Burns. Jim has written the book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest, and right after the break, we'll be back with Jim to talk more about how to find joy in the empty nest. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day -day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper -bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. Today, we are helping you, the parent, consider a different approach to the kids clearing out of the house. Our guest is Jim Burns, and he has written the book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. Well, Jim, for the, for the parent who's really loathing uh, Junior's inevitable departure from the home, I mean, maybe they're codependent or meshed, I mean... Just in a kind of even unhealthy situation, how did these parents go about finding joy in the empty nest? 
Well, I don't think it's an automatic moment where they have this, you know, all of a sudden the kids are gone and they're going, okay, yay, this is great. Although we need somebody to help us work on our tech stuff because our kids were doing our tech stuff for us. You know, I actually think it, it goes back again. You, I don't think you find joy oftentimes in just the big stuff. And, and sometimes you do. I mean, at one of the empty nest moments, Kathy and I went to Hawaii and had long walks and great romance and fun food. And, it, you know, it was wonderful, but that's not going to last. Mm-hmm. I think it's the littler things. I'm thinking about, uh, Somebody I write in the book, I write about uh, some people I know pretty well, Patricia and Toby. And what they did was they rebooted and they reconnected. So you know what they did? They decided they were going to clean out their closets together. I think she did more of the work. (laughs) She joined a women's group at church. They both joined a gym. They committed to that weekly date night we were talking about. And they redid their backyard. Well, you know what that did? Hmm. They spent time together. And I always say, you know, spending time together is sexy. And so they kind of found joy in some things that they didn't have time to do before. And I noticed that I just said, none of those are, are huge things. Uh, Isabella, she tried new things. So single mom. And uh, now she had, she was dealing with two grief issues. One is she'd been through a pretty tough divorce about three years prior. So she was dealing with that loss and now the loss of her you know, youngest daughter. So she's dealing with two losses. And so, you know, she planned new activities. She decided I have to make new friends. Again, for her, you know, it was going to church. She joined some kind of a, a group at church. Um, she planned read some retail therapy. They live in uh, New Jersey, and she and her youngest daughter, they were going to meet in New York for a weekend, and they, you know, were going to go shopping and catch a show and, you know, have some fun, whatever. Uh, but those are the kinds of things. At the same time, what I learned with Isabella was that she actually had some ghosts from her past in terms of her her life experience and because of the busyness of life and work and trying to get her daughter out of you know yeah. to out to college she hadn't dealt with some of the inner issues in her life and so she went and got some counseling you know, the bible says where there's no counsel the people fall but in the multitude of counseling there is safety and and she did mm-hmm. that and actually some of her joy came and again first week ate a lot of ice cream sat in front of the television and cried <laughs> okay Get, get it. So then what she said was, oh, I can't live my life like this for the rest of my life. So I'm going to go get the help I need. She s- surrounded herself with good friendships. I call them replenishing relationships, not the draining relationships, but she went and leaned into it, uh, became vulnerable, had some relationships with people who had gone before her in this. And as well as she sat with somebody who could kind of help her ask the right questions. And you know what? Today she's doing great. Well, is it perfect? No, she still has some loneliness and she still has some issues. But the point that I'm saying is, you know, these people are the ones who lean into it and it's the small stuff that, you know, that matters the most. In fact, there's a phrase I use in the book called significance in a well-lived life are not accidental. And it's not my quote, it's somebody else's quote, but it's a great thought. If you want some significance in your life and you want a well-lived life, it's not going to be accidental. And too many people in the, in the empty nest just aren't willing to, you know, put some energy into their, in, into this yeah, change. Yeah, they let things happen. Yeah. yeah, they let things happen as opposed to make things happen. Uh, you know, being an empty nester, you know, sh- should give you more time, you know, to, to be with your, w- with your friends, uh, rather than monitoring and vetting all your, all, all juniors friends, but between soccer practice and busy work schedules, like you were talking about, and, and just the insane pace of everyday life, a lot of empty nesters find that you know what? Sadly, maybe they don't have a lot of close friends to hang out with anymore. What counsel do you have for those poor souls? Well, I think they find friendships. You know, I mean, I've been in a small group for 20 years. And so these are, I'm a better husband, a better father, a better Christian because, you know, my, my small group, these are amazing people. But, you know, that didn't just happen overnight. That means every Tuesday, I'm 
with them at seven o'clock in the morning. And, you know, in, in many ways, when you're 50 or over, you can find and spend and invest more time with your friends. So I find that I do more, you know, lunches or I had a breakfast uh, this week with one of my great friends and we, it was kind of a spontaneous breakfast in terms of, you know, we, we hadn't had it planned for a long time and we just had the best, best experience. But that's the kind of thing that you have to again, lean into too. So, you know, the keto happy life really is a, a good support system. So for a lot of people, you have to go find those friends. They're not just coming to you. Um, but who are the VIPs in your life? The very inspirational people lean into them, spend some time. Kathy and I had the, when we went into the empty nest, we started, uh, having dinners with couples we, we didn't have time and they didn't either but now they were empty nesters and we were so it wasn't like we we're just sitting around but we said well we've got you know monday night let's go do dinner and and we found that those were great times and are great times we continue to do that we did that last night hey jim i'm just curious because i'm thinking that there's there's probably a parent who's listening right now who kind of fell into maybe having her or his identity wrapped up into their child or their children. And so then when their children leave, that is a loss of basically who they are. Help them understand how they can reorient, you know, their identity and who they are now. Well, that's the perfect question because I think there's more than just one parent. I think most parents do that. We get our, you know, I was Christy, Mm -hmm. Rebecca, and Heidi's dad. Now at work I wasn't, but I sure was, you know, any other place. And so I think what happens is, is not only are you reinventing the relationship with your children who become adults and you're giving them the passport to adulthood to help them become adults, but you're also kind of reinventing your own self. And this is a beautiful time to do it. And so again, it takes time and energy to say, you know, what are my priorities now? And, and who do I want to be? And, and, and sure, I'm still Christy, Rebecca, and Heidi's dad, but they're not here now. So mm-hmm. what can I do to enhance my own identity? And, and you know, I spend a lot of times, work, my PhD is in working with kids, so teenagers, and, you know, identity is the big issue. But what we find is that after the kids leave, identity is the big issue for adults, parents as well. Um, again, whether they're single or married. And so, you know, you have to put some time and energy into that. And uh, I think that happens when you are willing to, you know, put some time and effort into it. I know somebody who uh, at their church, they have a really cool um, small group where they talk through these kinds of issues. And in doing that, said, you know, I just listened to other, it's a friend of mine who's a man. I just listened to other men and and I went, wow, these guys are farther along than me. I need to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And then he began to, you know, it's not inventing yourself totally again. It means it's, it's tweaking and, and, and adjusting, making adjustments. You know, we drift and, you know, those are course corrections. And so it's more, Michelle, about course corrections hmm. than it is anything else. But you can't do that in a vacuum. You've got to have people around you. You've got to have friends. You've got to have a counselor. You've got to, you know, listen, you know, read the scriptures, um, become, all, I, honestly, like I said, games are one in the second half. And so, you know, put your energy into the second half. What is it going to look like? And uh, that's actually why I speak and write on finding joy in the empty nest, because it was my experience that I needed to do that. But then at the same time, as I started doing research, I realized most people need a playbook, if you would, mm-hmm. in how to do this, because we don't know. Nobody taught us. Our parents didn't teach us. They, they probably did a better job than us sometimes, but they didn't teach us. And if parents were enabling dependency, then again, we have to figure out that that's our problem. If we're enabling dependency on our kids, that you know it's time to let them go so that we can have 
you know, a better life. And there's things we can do practically to, to make that happen, like we've been talking about. Okay, let's talk about that enabling dependency and and letting our kids go. How do we build a healthy relationship with our young adults yeah. who, you know, have either gone off to college or living their lives? What is like the time and of commitment and communication? What does that look like? Well, actually, I think it's up to us because, again, we've never had adult kids and they've never been adults, so neither one of us know what we're doing. That's so I think true. we have to give them the passport to adulthood. And I think it's us. Mm. We say here, and, and, and people will say, but my kids aren't acting like adults. Okay, they still want that. And so, you know, one of the principles that I like to talk about on that is, you know, advice is usually taken as criticism. So, you know, that cleaned me out and it cleaned Kathy out. We're both advice givers. We want to fix it for our kids. They become adults. And, I, and I, I'm saying to Kathy one day, I don't think they really want to hear our advice. <laughs> and I go, wait, people pay me to give them advice, but not my kids, right? So they look at that as a sign that you don't trust them or you don't think they're all grown, see? And so I think we have to move from the being in control and giving advice and, and enabling dependency by handing them way too much money or too many things that we're try- we think we're helping, but we're really not helping. We're enabling, which goes to entitlement, which then has a failure to launch. And I think mm-hmm. what we need to do is step back and say, no, we're going to let them act it out. I mean, experience is a better teacher than advice. And, and that's really hard for us as parents, but I think that's what we have to do. It doesn't mean we release the relationship. It means we release who's in charge, and now they're in charge of their life. We're not. Well, I guess the, the question that I would have then is, uh, are there any support groups for parents of empty nesters? Well, there are. I didn't know that until I became an empty nester, but you know, churches have it. In fact, fascinating enough, a lot of churches have empty nest groups. I'm speaking at the first empty nest group at a church in Atlanta called uh, North Point, and they're just starting an empty nest, and it kind of started with young people, yeah, and now North Point, sure. North Point is going to have an empty nesters group, and it's going to be massive. When I speak on raising, I, I wrote a book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out, which pretty much describes it. And you know what? Uh, there, there are small groups all over the place with these. I didn't know that because that wasn't the group I was joining. But uh, glad I asked. So the church, <laughs> the church is doing the job on this. Um, didn't know it. I honestly didn't know it because I wasn't paying attention to that. I was thinking more about like you, Trace. You know, how do I help kids make wise decisions in their younger years, and how do I help those parents help those kids? And then I wake up one day and say, Wait, I'm I'm an empty nester, and where's the help? Yeah. It's, it's in the church. So you're going to be in Atlanta. Awesome. You need to come by here and see what we're doing over here. That's right. Well, I love what you're doing. <laughs> Shepherd's Hill Academy is, um, I think, doing wonderful things, helping kids make some good and right decisions. And sometimes you need that length of time. And so yeah. I, I love what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we have a captive audience. <laughs> the things they're learning is incredible. Well, Jim, thank you so much for being with us, brother. It's been a pleasure. It's always good to talk with you. And uh, we'll catch you on a flip-flop. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for all you do, Trace, and for what you do through Shepherd's Hill Academy. And, and Michelle, great talking with you, too. Yes, Jim. Thank you. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Jim Burns. Jim gives leadership to the ministry Homeward. And we've been talking to Jim today about his book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. You can connect with Jim at Homeward.com. They want more than anything to help families succeed. And so do we. Thank you for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You can learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedtoparent.org. 
Shepherd's Hill Academy is expanding our campus and we need your help. Would you consider giving a financial gift? A gift of any amount to Shepherd's Hill brings hope and healing to families in crisis. You can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless. See you next time.